All right, well, kids, so we're, we're going to talk to both adults and kids this morning. I'm going to do my best to bridge the divide and not have the adults sleeping and the kids running crazy. Um, so we'll, we'll, see, we'll see what we can do there. But so we'll, we'll, hopefully this will be helpful for both of you. Kids, we're going to talk about something we've actually started talking about last week. We're talking about something called margins, okay? Now, does anyone know what a margin is? No, adults can't answer this one. Um, let, me, let me show you uh, two different sheets of paper, kids. All right. You see these two different sheets of paper? What's different about them? I need a kid, not, not an adult. Yes, Alan. As mar- what's margins in this case? What? Right, it's white space, right? So this page has a whole lot more information on it, right? There's a whole lot more, more words, more information that's crammed on here. So you could get more stuff, but it's not very fun to read, and sentences get cut off, and it's just it's kind of busy and overwhelming to look at, right? This, you can't get nearly as much information on here, right? A lot less. But it's easier on the eyes, it's, it's more calming to look at, and you kind of understand where to start, where to finish, how to read this kind of a, a page. And when we talk about margins, that's what we're talking about. We're talking about living lives that have some white space in them, some, some space to breathe. Now, we all have the same amount of time, right? In, in our lives, when it comes to our lives, the information, the stuff we're cramming in is what we're filling our time with. Right? We, we all have the same amount. How much time do we have, kids? How many, time, how many, many hours in a day? You want to tell me? Jada? 24. Okay. How many hours should you sleep? Adults, don't mess this one up. Oh, in the back. Hold it up. Eight, right? Oh, that's good. At least, at least eight, maybe eight to ten, right? So you should be getting eight to ten hours of sleep. So that means you're spending a lot of time sleeping. But it gives you what? It gives you about... 14 hours of the day, 14, maybe 16 hours to do stuff. Guess what? Everybody has the same amount of time, right? Now, some people might sleep a little more than others, but we all get that same amount of time. The question is, what are we going to fill it with? And it's really easy to feel like you just got to cram everything in, right? You've got to do all the things, everything that is possibly going on, all of the fun stuff, like you've got to cram it in. You've got to, you've got to be on that sports team and be in that, you play in the band and you've got to have sleepovers. You've got to, you've got to play video games. You've got to watch your favorite TV show. And I don't know, I'm sure none of you kids ever do this, but sometimes it's almost like you, you just want to have more than 24 hours in a day, right? Like, sometimes my kids will come to me, and we have a weekend where we have, like, 12 things happening. And I wish that was an exaggeration, but we actually do have, like, 12 things happening. And they'll come, and they'll be like, hey, you know what? My friend asked if we could have a sleepover. So I was thinking, you know, like, we have that thing until, like, 9 tonight. You could drop me off at 9.30, and I know we have to get up at 8 to be at this thing, so you could just pick me up on the way. We're like, no, we, we can't, but you just want to cram everything in, right? Do all the things. But here's the thing. It's not just a kid problem. Adults have that problem too. We like to do all the things. Now, 
some of those things aren't just fun things, right? Like, you know, for adults, some of that is more things that we feel responsible for. So there's work, which is what we do because we like doing other things, like eating and sleeping indoors, um, not walking places, right? And so, so we work. And people work different amounts of time, but, but all adults work at something. Even if it's not a job they're getting paid for, they're working, right? So we work. But, you know, we're also, if you have children, if, if you're children, then your parents have children. That's helpful for you to know. Um, and that means whenever you do something, unless you drive, how many of you drive, kids? How many kids drive? A couple? Oh, we got something about it. Right? Yeah, no, you guys are liars. That's not okay. <laughs> so come back next week, and we'll talk about lying. That would be great. Um, I'm kidding. Um, So, right, so unless you're driving, your parents are driving you places. So you might say, I only do one thing, but if there's more than one of you, then your parents have, like, more than one thing, right? And so they're working, they're driving you around, and even if if they're adults that don't have kids, they have lots of other things that they're doing. They have lots of other responsibilities, maybe responsibilities at work, social social things they want to do. And then after all of that stuff is done, we also are trying to cram in things like TV shows or maybe checking email at home, things that that maybe we don't want to do but feel like we have to. And so we're trying to cram it all into this same amount of time. And often what happens then is we don't sleep as well, and then we wake up and we're not happy. And so sometimes that's why kids... Mom and dad aren't always the nicest in the morning when you're, like, rushing around to get to school, and you're like, why are they so cranky? That might be why, right? So just a, just a heads up, that's what's going on. But we all try and cram this stuff in. And then you add to that stuff that we've included that helps us in a lot of ways, things like smartphones, laptops, tablets, and those are really helpful, right? But along with helping us do our work, those things also help us do things like Check Facebook and Instagram and YouTube, right? And they, they allow us to constantly have content that we're dumping into our lives. And so not only are our lives really busy, but our minds are always busy too. That even if we're not moving, we're thinking about something. We're processing something. We're always taking stuff in. We're always kind of distracting ourselves. Have you ever gone to the grocery store and watched people stand in line? Everybody's on their phones. If they're not, it's awkward. You feel like you need to like, give them a phone. And like, I'm sorry, are you, are you seem bored? Can we just, here's my phone, don't look anybody in the eye, it's just going to be uncomfortable for everyone, right? Like, this is just, you go to the grocery store, if you stop at a stoplight, right? You look around you, what's every, and this is uncomfortable, right? You're like, please put your phones away. But that's everyone's doing it at the stoplight. Why? Because any time there's like 10 seconds of space, we, ha- we feel this need to distract ourselves, to, to look at our phones, to, to take something in. We, we have this voice in our head that tells us we constantly have to be taking in more information, getting more stuff, distracting ourselves. But you know what's kind of odd? And it's going to sound weird, kids, but it's true. Sometimes the best thing that you can do is be bored. Being bored is good for you. Okay, so um, 
How many kids have ever said the words to their parents, I'm bored. I don't believe it. Right? Okay. So I I used to get bored. I can't tell you the last time I was bored, but I used to get bored a lot too. And I would often get bored, and I know none of you kids ever do this, but I would get bored in school. In school, right? Right? Because there were certain classes I really liked. You know, like I liked my history class because my history teacher was really into it, and I loved the stories, and that was really fun. And, but I didn't so much love uh, geography, right? Or like math. And so I would sometimes get bored. But what do you, what do, you do when you get bored? Any, any thoughts from the kids? What, what do you do when you get bored? Yes, in the back, Andy, holler it out. You can make up a game? No, you have to buy games, Andy. Haven't your parents told you that? No, you're absolutely right, Andy. I'm just, I'm, I'm joking with you. Yes, you can make up a game. Yes, Josh. I don't think I completely heard that. Do we want to repeat it? Okay. I want to hear it later, though. That sounded amazing. All right, can we get in the back? Go ahead and shout it out. Yeah. Good. You can turn on the TV. It's true. Yes, honey. You can do karate. Yes, you can do karate. And if you can't do karate, we have some people here who do karate we can introduce you to, okay? Okay, let's do two more real quick. Yes, sir. Play Minecraft? You can play Minecraft. Oh, yeah. Okay, honey, you've been wanting to say something for a long time. Go ahead. You can play video games. Okay, so lots of different options there, right? Lots of things you can do when you're bored. But you know what's really interesting that happens when you're bored? You start to, this goes back to what Andy said. You start to use parts of your mind that you don't use otherwise. Now, when I was bored in school, I love stories. And so my favoritest story ever, I know, talking to kids doesn't mean you have to use bad grammar, right? My most favorite story ever is Star Wars. Star Wars, well, it it was the first movie I ever saw. I remember when I was six years old sitting in the movie theater. I I, I remember eating Junior Mints and the buttered popcorn and watching Return of the Jedi on the big screen. It was the first movie I ever watched in the theater. It was awesome. Star Wars has always been my favorite movie. And so when I would get bored, I remember in in my class in third grade, I would get bored and we had these little wooden desks, right, that had the opening in them. Um, That's where you put your notebooks and the other paper things that we had to have because we didn't have iPads and things like that, right? We didn't even know what that was. Um, We just had like notebooks and pencils. And so I had them in my desk. And when I would get bored, what I would do is I would look at the, the erasers and the pens and the pencils, and I would begin to imagine all of the characters from Star Wars coming to my desk and involving me in part of the story. And so, I mean, I don't know how long this would go on. I'm not sure what my teacher was doing or if she, she just kind of looked at me and was like, that child, we, uh, he, I guess he's not going to hurt anybody. We'll just leave him. Um, but <laughs> I would just, I mean, for, I had these elaborate stories that I would tell. This was the first in my life that I remember constructing stories, learning how to put characters and, and storylines together. When I would get bored 
And so my mind would kind of get creative. That's really, really good for you. Getting bored is critical in learning to be a creative person. More and more people who study the brain are learning that we need, in order to thrive, in order to be the people we were created to be, we need time to be bored. We need downtime. We need time where our minds aren't constantly being bombarded by information and energy, and that includes video games and TV and Facebook, space where we're not just cramming content in, where we actually have space. In 1993, this is a long time ago, kids. This is before you were born. Uh, You ask your parents what 1993 was like. In 1993, uh, a psychoanalyst, which is a big word that means a guy who study or a person who studies people's behavior and tries to figure out like why certain people act the way that they act. His name was Adam Phillips, and he wrote that the capacity to be bored can be a developmental achievement for the child. That's like an accomplishment. He's like, if a kid can be bored, that's like a step forward. That's good. It is one of the most oppressive demands of adults that the child should be interested rather than take time to find what interests him or her. Boredom is integral to the process of taking one's time. Long time ago, people who study how people behave were saying, you know what, it's actually good for kids to be bored. In fact, for us as adults to think that our kids need constant entertainment, constant busyness, it's, it's, he used the word oppressive. It's unhelpful for our kids' development to constantly be cramming stuff into their minds. And it's not just bad for kids. It's bad for adults, too. For us to be people who are constantly distracting ourselves constantly cramming information into our heads stifles our ability to be creative, to use the parts of our brain that allow us to solve complex problems. We need space to be bored. Another kind of, uh, you know, guy who thinks a lot about this stuff, a guy named David Berkus in the Harvard Business Review was, re- was responding to a couple of different studies about boredom and creativity. And he said... The findings of these studies suggest that boredom felt during passive activities like reading reports or attending tedious meetings or kids like cleaning your rooms um, or, you know, sitting silently for more than 30 seconds, that these kinds of things, they heighten the daydreaming effect on creativity. The more passive the boredom, the more likely the daydreaming and the more creative you could be afterwards. So kids, you know what this means? Daydreaming is good for you. It's like good work to spend time creating stories in your head, imagining what kinds of things you might be when you grow up, what you might do with your life, those kinds of things. That's really healthy. That's really good for you. You need to daydream. But adults, you do too. It's good and healthy that we create space in our lives where we have white space, gaps where we can dream and imagine and be creative. But it's not just good for us as we develop as people, as we develop our our problem-solving skills, but it's also really helpful, adults and kids, 
as we want to connect with our Creator, as we want to connect with God. So in the Bible, which is um, this book of stories that tells us all about who God is and how God works with people, and particularly points us to Jesus and how God shows up on the scene in Jesus to show us what he's like and how much he loves us. But before Jesus, we get a whole bunch of stuff in in what's called the Old Testament. And in one of them, there's a book called the Psalms, which is like Psalms. It's like poetry and songs. And in one of them, we read this. The, The writer of the Psalms says this. It's Psalm 46, beginning in verse 8. The psalmist writes, Come see the glorious works of the Lord. See how he brings destruction upon the world. He causes wars to end throughout the earth. He breaks the bow and snaps the spear. He burns the shields with fire. Be still and know that I am God. I will be honored by every nation. I will be honored throughout the world. The Lord of heaven's armies is here among us. The God of Israel is our fortress. So God is talking about, the psalmist is telling us about how God is, he's stopping war, right? Like he's breaking the bow, which means he's coming against these armies that are, that are going to attack his people. And so he's breaking their bows, he's stopping them. And the job of the people is not to go out and fight, it's to be still. It's to do nothing. It's to trust God and what he's doing. It's kind of weird, isn't it? Like, we often think that really the best thing we could ever do is something. That the worst thing we could ever do is nothing. And it's true that there are important things to do. And I'm not encouraging you that if your mom or dad says, hey, it's time to clean your room, you say, but that guy who was talking a lot on Sunday, he said I should do nothing. That's not what I'm saying. But I am saying that if, you're, if you come to your parents and you say, hey, can I, I'm all done with everything I need to do. My homework's done. My chores are done. Can I play video games? And they say, you know, you played a lot of video games yesterday. I think you should just not. And I know what you want to do, right? You want to you wanna get mad about that. But you know why they're doing that? It's because they love you. And they want you. You laugh. You're not supposed to laugh. That kind of takes away from the weight of that. Um, <laughs> They, they, they love you, and they want you to develop the parts of your brain that don't develop when you're just watching video games, right? Because part of your brain shuts down when all you're doing is watching Mario. Now, I know Mario Kart is cool. I like Mario Kart. But you don't need to engage lots of your brain when you're playing Mario Kart. So having times when you're not, when you're forced to go around the house and figure out what to do with yourself, is really good. And it's especially good if we want to know and listen to God. And this is for adults as well, right? Because I don't know, again, I don't know about you, if you have kids, this may be a common occurrence at your dinner table or anywhere else where you get more than one of those children in the same room. One child is telling you a story, and immediately, like, they're, they're like halfway through their story, clearly they're not finished. There's nothing about this story that makes you think they're done. But the other child jumps in with their own story, right? And they're trying to talk at the same time. They're getting frustrated. The other person's still talking. And you have to go, wait, like, we can't, you can't talk over people and expect to know what's going on. You have to listen. And that's true in interpersonal relationships. You know that's true with your kids. You know that's true at work. But it's also really true if we expect or want to hear from God. It's ridiculous that we think, and I do it too, 
that if we're constantly going, constantly thinking, constantly cramming information into our head, that somehow the onus is on God to scream over that, to make us stop and listen. There's nothing in our experience and there's nothing in Scripture that says that's how God chooses to operate. In fact, again, if we look at Jesus, he shows us a much different way. Um, in, in the book of Mark, which is one of the biographies of Jesus, um, it tells us all about like, Jesus' life, his teaching, his death, his resurrection. And early on in his ministry, Jesus is this pretty wild guy, right? Like he's healing people, so he's going to sick people and making them well. In some cases, he like raises dead people. He's doing crazy stuff, and people are like, this is awesome. So like, if you heard that there was somebody who would like walk up to sick people and tell them to get better, and they would get better like that, you would probably want to go meet with that guy, right? Like, especially if you were sick. That would be someone you would want to see. That would feel very important. And so as Jesus was doing this, lots of people were coming to see him. There were crowds of people coming. They're like, ah, you make sick people well. Make me well. Let's do this. And so there's one point early on in his ministry, we read in Mark chapter 1, where Jesus is doing a lot of this, and we read about a particular morning. It says, Mark says, before daybreak the next morning, Jesus got up and went out to an isolated place to pray. Later, Simon and the others went out to find him. When they found him, they said, everyone is looking for you. But Jesus replied, we must go on to other towns as well, and I will preach to them too. That is why I came. So he traveled through the region of Galilee, preaching in the synagogues and calling out demons. So in the midst of all these people coming and saying like, hey, I'm sick, heal me, I I, I have a need, help me out. Jesus felt like it was really important to get time alone to go to an isolated place, a lonely place, to pray so that he could hear from God. Even for Jesus, who we believe is is God in the flesh, but because he was fully a person, he needed to create space in his life where he could hear from God. He knew that it wouldn't happen if all that he did all of the time was run around even doing great things like helping people. Because sometimes, in order to create space and margin in our lives, kids, you need to say no to bad things. Or, I'm sorry, well, you always need to say no to bad things. You sometimes need to say no to good things. That's why sometimes you might come to your mom or dad and say, hey, can I have a sleepover? Or can we do this event? And they might say, you know what, that's cool, I love that kid, I, I, I think that person is great, I think that event is awesome, but we just can't do it. We're just not going to. And I know you're like, why? Tell me why, right? Like, give me the reason. There's no logical reason. And here's the thing, kids. Sometimes we as parents do things that have no logical bearing at all. Like, we don't do it because it completely makes sense. We just do it because we need to do it, right? And you'll understand that someday. Even if you're not a parent, as an adult, there's sometimes you just, you have to say, you know what, when? We're just going gonna to stop. And Jesus models this. As a human being, we have got to be able to sometimes say no, even to really good things, so that we can create space, so we can create margin in our lives to listen, to connect with our Creator, and even to enliven certain parts of our mind to become more fully who we were created to be as people, utilizing aspects of our intellect that we don't typically utilize when we're just cramming information down our, down our throats all the time. So what can we do? Kids, what can you do this week? And even adults, what are a couple of things that we can do 
to start to practice this. The first thing, and this is, this is not super complicated. Um, if, if you are someone who's ever been to church at all or you've thought about spiritual things, this is, this is a kind of a normal 101 faith kind of a, a thing. You can choose throughout the week to make time to pray. So kids, um, you could maybe ask your parents to help you think about when is there five minutes a day during the week. Are there five minutes? Maybe it's right before you go to bed. Maybe it's right when you wake up. I, probably not. If your house is anything like my house, first thing in the morning is not a good time to be reflective. Um, so maybe it's like, yeah, find a time, but maybe it's five minutes a day where you can stop and you can pray. Where you can ask God what he wants to say to you where you can talk to God about your day, but you're hitting the pause button on any activity. Just five minutes. Now, adults, for you, it could be more like 15 or 20. You know, you don't have to go crazy with it, but finding 15 minutes a day to pause, to, to put your iPhone away, to close the laptop, to listen, to reflect. Don't even take the earbuds out. Just listen what God might want to say. You know, there's a growing kind of pool of research out there that is talking about the, the long-term health benefits physically of what it does for us. That if you're someone who, who pauses 15 minutes to pray, to reflect, to meditate daily, that it has actual health benefits, including but not limited to things like reducing your blood pressure, it's really good for us. Not to mention, it's nearly impossible for us to actually hear from God if we refuse to stop. I'm not saying that sometimes God graciously doesn't scream into the midst of our chaos because God does. I have been the beneficiary of God screaming sometimes. But I don't know, again, like, if the person you're trying to have a relationship with constantly has to scream to get your attention, that's not a super helpful relationship. Carving out 15 to 20 minutes a day as adults, I know it feels hard. It might not sound hard. Try and do it, right? As a pastor, trying to do that is difficult. It's hard work. About five and a half minutes in, you're going, what was I going to do with my... Thing that, uh, and then, like, before you know it, you've been sitting there for 20 minutes, but really you planned out your day. You didn't connect with God. Out. What, one of the most helpful things somebody said to me about prayer one time was, look, you're going to have things come up in your head. If you're trying to get silent at all, you're going to be bombarded with all of your to-do lists, everything you have to do. Have a pad and a pencil with you, or a pen. Write it down as it comes to your mind. When that thing pops up that you're like, oh, crap, I forgot to do that thing, write it down. Set it to the side. So later, you know, you can come back to it. Don't type it out onto your phone because if you do that, you're going to be tempted to quick check something else. Don't do that. Write it on a pad with a pen and then set it to the side and then go back to reflecting. It's a really helpful exercise so that when that stuff comes to the surface, you can remember it, but you can get back to reflecting. So prayer is the first thing. And then the second thing, kids and adults, think about reducing distractions this week. So for kids, maybe one thing you could do and your parents could help you is take one night during the week where you just commit, there's not going to be any TV, there's not going to be any iPod, there's not going to be any iPad, there's not going to be any, any no video games, no videos, no nothing. That it's just going to be a media-free night 
And when you get done with your homework or whatever you have to do and there's nothing to do, you're going to be okay with that. You're going to figure out something to do in the nothing, something creative. Maybe create a game, maybe play a game, maybe write a story or read a story, whatever. But you're going to use that space to do something creative. Adults, for you, I would encourage you to consider what it might be to take a week where you log off of social media. That might Now, some of you don't do social media at all. You're like, ah, social media? Um, and that's fine. That For you, that might be, don't watch TV for a week. You know, don't get on Netflix. But for some of us, and for many of us, especially if we're attached to our smartphones, I did this, so the night before the election. Remember that thing that happened last week? Um, so Monday night, I was like, you know, I'm just not, I'm going to commit to not getting on Facebook for at le- until at least Sunday, because I know that tomorrow I'm just going to be like, it's just going to be like a train wreck. I'm going to be watching this thing and g- doing all sorts of kind of emotional things about how I'm feeling, about how people are responding or what all is happening, and tempted to jump in and say things on social media, which never really goes well. And so, like, I was like, you know what? I'm just not going to get on Facebook or any social media until Sunday. Just take it off. And... I am sad, I'm, I'm, I'm ashamed to admit, it was much more difficult than I thought it was going to be. I was like, that's going to be easy. And it was kind of, I mean, it was a little like, you know, I'd find myself in moments where I'm just like nervously, like, what do I, I don't know what to do. Um, but by the end of the week, I loved it. It felt like suddenly I had all of this mental space that before had always gotten sucked up, right? Even the act of standing in a grocery line and choosing to look at people and think. I was like, wow, it's been a long time since I just thought. Right? Maybe you should take a week and log off of social media. Whatever, whatever it is for you. Social media, Netflix, TV, whatever. Consider taking a week where you consciously say, I'm going to choose not to do this thing to create more space in my life. So to create moments where I might actually, for the first time in a long time, experience boredom and see what might happen as I look in the midst of that to connect with my creator and and maybe even to to use parts of my mental energy that I don't tend to to exercise. So a couple of of challenges. Try those things out, kids. Maybe help your parents try them out. That's going to be tough, I know, um, but do your best. All right, so we're going to take just a few minutes, and we're going to do a little question and answer. Kids, we, we often do this. You guys are pretty much in the back when we do this normally, but every Sunday we do some questions. Um, where people get to kind of ask questions if they had them. And so we're going to let you do that. Now, adults, you can respond too. But today, the theme for this morning is, since we're heading into Thanksgiving, I know the, the talk wasn't really about Thanksgiving, but we're heading towards Thanksgiving this Thursday. So I'd love to hear, kids and adults, what are you thankful for? Now, if there's something I said, kids, that you want to ask about, feel free to do that too. But mostly I want to hear, what are you thankful for? And and Miss Carmen's going to have the, the mic here, so she'll come around as you see hands. I see there's little hands shooting up already, Carmen, so if you want to kind of, there's some right here. And, um, but real quick, love to hear what you're thankful for, kids. Go ahead. Gymnastics. Nice. Is that on? Do we have a, do we have a green light? Oh, that's my fault. There we go. Try that again. Okay. I'm thankful for gymnastics. Gymnastics. Nice. I'm thankful for my family and friends. Nice. 
I'm thankful for my family. Oh, very cool. This church. Ah. My family. Nice, nice. Adults, feel free. If there's an adult or two, you you can uh, stick your hand up too. We'll do this Santa. for just a minute. Santa. Whoo! You are jumping ahead, kiddo. That's all right. Target is too. I was there last night. That was. Thankful that I believe in Jesus. Oh, nice. Yeah. And thankful for my dog Eli. Dog Eli. Friends. Everything. Oh, everything. All right, we're gonna. Don't worry, kids, on this side. You're, we're gonna get you. Why don't we hop over here? Oh, we got. You. I'm thankful for my family. Very nice. My dog. My dog, Crackle. Is that the same dog, or are there two dogs, Dad? Same dog. All right. Getting a lot of love. We got some up here, Miss mm-hmm. Carmen. Deciding which way to go. Oh, sorry. My family. The food. My family. Yeah, thank you. Anybody else? Any adults want to throw one in there? Nope. Uh, yeah. Here's one right here. She didn't go yet. We'll do maybe one or two more. My piano lessons. Ah. And her piano teacher is on the mic. That's very, very <laughs> nice. I Brownie paid her points. earlier to say that. <laughs> My dog and both. My life. Oh, nice. Cool. Let's get, you want to get these three, one, two, three right there and we'll be done? Wrap it Some up? Some of them already had a child. Oh, did they? Okay. Why don't you? You can tell she used to be a teacher, right? My friend William. Oh, what was that? I'm sorry, Josiah. They were laughing. My People. friend William. Do we have one more Jude in the back? My teacher. Nice. Well, thank you, guys. That's so cool to hear what you're thankful for. We're thankful for you. Um, we're thankful for what God is doing in your life. We're thankful that you could be here this morning. I'm going to pray for us, and we're going to sing a, a final song together, uh, and then we'll wrap things up for the morning. Father, thank you for... Um, Thanks for permission to sometimes be bored. Um, That's really hard for all of us, adults and kids. So would you give us the courage and the strength this week uh, to be able to create some margins in our lives, to say no where we need to say no, uh, to be bored where we need to be bored, to carve out time to listen to you, to to engage in prayer, to to put the smartphone down, whatever it is we got to do. Give us strength. Father, as we do that this week, and be with us as we move into Thanksgiving. God, you've given us so much. We're so grateful, and we're grateful that we get to uh, be a part of blessing Burke's Women in Crisis and the the women and children who are served there. God, would the, the gifts that we give be a huge blessing to them? And Lord, would you help us this week to spend some time to create some space to reflect on all the things we have to be thankful for? We are thankful for your love for us, 
shown most clearly in Jesus. It's in his name that we pray.